Now that we're saying goodbye to summer, it's time to get back in our autumn groove. A lot's changing. Leaves colors are changing. The election is over. The COVID is changing. So much is changing. It's very difficult to find the extra time for you, the time you need to take care of yourself and to look your best. With Plexiderm, all you need is 10 minutes and you can look 10 years younger. Plexiderm is a clinically studied serum that gives your appearance the right kind of changes. Visibly reduce wrinkles, fine lines, and eye even under eye bags in just minutes. Take up to 10 years off your appearance in less than 10 minutes. The results will last for hours. So you can go out and do whatever you want and be confident that these results will still last. You can try a six-application trial pack for just $14.95 with free shipping when you visit Biplex. That's B-U-Y-P-L-X, Biplex.com slash Drew. Or call 800-685-1292 and then say the code DREW. This order comes with free shipping and a 30-day money-back guarantee. Make the wrinkles and lines and under-eye bags disappear with Plexiderm. Again, it is Biplex. Visit Biplex, B-U-I-P-L-X, Biplex.com slash Drew or call 800-685-1292. That is 800-685-1292 and simply say the code DREW at checkout hey welcome to dr podcast everyone uh again the usual please do support the people that support us so we can keep the winds in the sale of the corolla pirate ship and keep doing what we do here we appreciate it very much we try to collect we try to select people carefully who uh support the show and so we hope you will support them again do check out after dark and don't forget i'm doing a daily stream most days now uh, so if you want to get involved with that, uh, sign up at drdrew.tv. And uh, a lot of a lot of uh, coronavirus talk in those threads these days, particularly with the new vaccines and whatnot coming online. Today my guest is Dr. Susan Heitler. Uh, new book is Prescriptions Without Pills for Relief from Depression, Anxiety – whoops – Prescriptions Without Pills for Relief from Depression, Anger, Anxiety, and More. It's available at Amazon anywhere books are sold. This is her fifth book. The Twitter handle is at Susan as the routine spelling, Heitler, H-E-I-T-L-E-R. And the website for the book is prescriptionswithoutpills, one word, dot com. And, of course, Dr. Heitler is a uh, licensed clinical psychologist specializing in family systems. Dr. Heitler, welcome to the program. A pleasure to be here. So um, I guess we should start with the book. I've, I've, got, a, I've got a bunch of other questions for you, but uh, anything specific people should be anticipating getting from the book? Options. Mm -hmm. When somebody's depressed, angry, anxious, having problems of whatever kind in their life, it's pretty helpful to go to a resource and get some techniques you can use to pop out of that negative state. Yeah. And and as a as a family therapist, I mean you're doing a lot of family systems work and I know you yourself have your 16th grandchild coming in last week, which is wild. Congratulations. Yes, yeah, well done. Um safe arrival, thanks. Yes. So, you know, when I look, I you know, I worked in a psychiatric hospital for 25 years. I ran a large addiction recovery program for 20 of those. And um, watch the changes in psychopathology and not just the psychopathogenesis, but also the uh, spectrum of diagnostic material that was coming in the door changed from 1985 when I first got there. Uh, and it all tended to move towards cluster B, which are the narcissistic disorders. Mm -hmm. We don't really use that terminology so much anymore, but back in the day, I – 
you know, the, and what's interesting, this 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 psychiatric hospital was freestanding. It had been there since the turn of the 20th century and it was like a museum of the excesses of psychiatry. I ended up as an internist dealing with all the aftermath of psychosurgeries and insulin shock therapy and all the craziness they were doing. Um, but what still interests me to this day was this shift I saw from uh, a range of personality disorders to all of a sudden the American psyche sort of moving all towards cluster B. And I don't think that was diagnostic sort of uh, biases. I think it was happening. And I'm wondering if you as a family systems person uh, have a theory about where that's all coming from. Oh, wow, that's a great starter it's a, it's question. It's a big question. It's a big question. If I looked back on the days of Freud, the society was much more repressive. So I think in those times, by repressive, I mean I should do this, I have to do that, and more authority figures ruling over other people. Now we have much more freedom. So I think there's been a lifting of what we used to call neurotic disorders, in addition, we treat neurotic disorders outpatient. So somebody has to be pretty messed up in order to make it into a psych hospital. Yeah. Well, but but not back so in the day. I would, not not I would argue not back in the eighties. They were quite liberal with it back uh, then. Correct, yeah. correct, correct. Nowadays, yeah. Yeah, nowadays. You know, because insurance doesn't pay for it. Right. Because the big old psych hospitals where you could stay for a long time, right. they don't exist anymore. Correct. So so those are just a few factors that come to mind for me. So, so the context but, of what I was saying was especially sick people. But let, but let me let me drill in the question. Let, let me accept what you're saying as axiomatic and say, well, but still, <laughs> yeah, but still, I was seeing this shift in personality amongst the very ill because I so used. Right. But it, when I arrived there, there was a lot of obsessive compulsive disorder, a lot of dependency disorders, right. all, whole cluster C stuff was coming in, and then all of a sudden. Just cluster B. And my theory has always been the health of our families and childhood trauma. And I'm wondering well, if that's. Those are sure bets. Okay. Tell me how you think the health of the family. Well, I, because yeah. I only. I think that's, by the way, a huge, not only the health of what families there are, but the number of people who are single and don't have families. Right. Huge factors. Right. So uh, abandonment issues, I guess, are, you know, obviously head towards cluster B. But, but you know, because I don't work with family, I'm just, I'm guessing, you know, I, I talk to lots of people. And, and so to, I, one of the things I worry about when I lay it at the foot of childhood trauma, I go, well, childhood trauma has probably always been around. But I yeah. think with the loosening of the authoritarianism as you were, or the authority figures, uh, what came with that was a certain amount of acting out behaviors that got acted out on children. Would that be accurate? You know, I'm not so sure. I think there's always been some bad parenting and there's yeah. always been trauma. Yeah. It may be that you've got a higher percentage of cluster B usually means borderline personality <laughs> disorder and narcissistic disorders. Yeah. You get a higher degree of those in a, uh, hospital, yep, sure. Because the others are treated often very effectively. Outpatient, like depression, anxiety, anger. And that's the whole point of the book. There's lots that people can do about those kinds of disorders. I, I, we sometimes don't even call them disorders. They're problems in living. Harry Stack Sullivan was the therapist who originally said, "Wait, things get messed up." 
people have, quote, mental health problems because there's problems in living. Yeah, so I, there's I, problems I, in their families, at work, and how they feel about themselves, all of those. I, I love that you're historically contextualizing all this stuff because we are you and I have been practicing in a historical context. And, uh, yes. and and a lot of our peers are not aware of that. One of my very favorite books was a guy named Stephen Mitchell wrote a book called Object Relations and Psychoanalytic Theory where he goes across the entire spectrum of the history. And it, it changed my view on everything. Have you, have you read that book? Or familiar no, with Stephen? No, I'm Mitchell. not familiar. Oh my god, it's so that. it's so good. He just, he just does the whole thing. So so when you talk about it, uh, Sullivan and Sullivan's input, I I I it I get it. I get exactly what you're talking about. And and for those listening, you know, uh, Dr. Heitler referenced Freud at the beginning, which is sort of where this all started. And Freud's basic theory was a drive theory that everything came from drives. And we sort of. We sort of lost sight of that a little bit along the way. No? Am yeah, I misquoting? Drive was one-third of his yeah. model. Go ahead. He pictured something like a snowman with three parts. Keep the, going. The, yeah. There were, on the one hand, these impulses that came up from below, drives, impulses. I want to, I feel, at the same time, the upper piece of the three-part snowman was a big, heavy snowball of should, ought, the rules of how you live, which was true of that German society where he lived. So there would be battles between you should, you should not, and I want to, I want to. Mediating those battles was supposed to be a middle circle, the ego or the reasonable part that somehow had to listen to both sides and help people function in a way that would work. It was essentially a conflict resolution model, mm -hmm. that, in, he, in, 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 which is the essence of what I see, contents, conflict resolution being problem solving. And would you agree that cognitive behavioral therapies are sort of aimed in that direction these days? often, to help people deal with the issues going on in their lives. The antithesis of that is this wonderful book, uh, Lost, Lost Connections. The fellow who wrote that is writing about depression. Mm. He had suffered a lot of depression. And he said when he was a kid, a teenager, doctors began and psychologists and psychiatrists saying, oh, you need pills, you need pills. Psychiatry in particular was very biochemistry oriented the, if you're depressed it means you're missing serotonin or there's something wrong in your body by contrast what he describes in the book lost connections fits very well with that old harry stack De sullivan definition that negative emotions come from problems in living and, and we can add freud to that gee well this is what i want and at the same time, this is what I should do, although people have so fewer shoulds nowadays. Still, there's some. And if people can't come up to a, out with a pathway that works for them, they'll get depressed, angry, anxious, or prone to addictions. And Am I remembering correctly, Dr. Sullivan was originally a pediatrician? Is, that, is he that? I, I one don't of the, recall one, that. 
one of the early ones, it was either him or I can't remember the other guy's name, but they they were the first to sort of make the mother-child unit a, a central feature of their analysis and, it, and it, it came out of observing as a pediatrician. Uh, it's not Sullivan. Gary, help me. The psychoanalyst was a pediatrician and you're gonna, you're gonna, he's going to look that up for me. But I do want to talk <laughs> about attachment and get, and get your opinions about that. Um, but before I do, what was I thinking about? Uh, it's lost. Oh, I know what it was, which was that I, I recently wrote a book. Donald a, Winnicott. Winnicott. Winnicott was the Winnicott, was the yeah. Uh, Winnicott yeah. was the pediatrician. Good job there. Well done. Um, that uh, I just recently, I, you know, again, like I said, I was witness to a sort of a psychiatric museum when I got to the psychiatric hospital I worked at, and it's only recently I come to understand reading a book called Shrinks by a guy named Lieberman, who was the former head of the American Psychiatric Association, which was that the Freudian influence uh, in American psychology and psychiatry was sort of mid-20th century. Before that, most of the psychiatrists worked in state hospitals and were called alienists, which is fascinating, and were trying various kinds of weird ideas. But once the psychoanalysts came in and took hold, they had kind of a a tyranny over American psychiatry that when it – The psychoanalyst Yeah, did. yeah. The psychoanalyst mm-hmm. did. And, and when it broke out, when they broke free of that, there was an excessive enthusiasm for biological models. And I and right. I kind of saw that happen. And I think that's what you're taking aim at now, that there is – there's two or three things that need to be addressed in the human psyche. That There is a biological piece for sure. But there's a spiritual piece. There's an emotional living piece. There's an interper- there's an interpersonal pieces. And, and my point in most of the books that I've written is there's also a huge skills piece. Mm. We, we talk a lot about attachment. Attachment is based on what we experience growing up, connecting us with others. We learn a language of attachment. And if the language we learned was uh, bossing people around or um, harshness, we end up not having the skills for a relaxed, collaborative way of life. Now You can look at the, the behaviors. You mentioned behavioral therapy, uh, cognitive behavioral. I see that as a s- skills piece of go- cognitive behavioral therapy as extremely important and unfortunately somewhat underestimated. Now, I will back up and say the psychoanalytic people, the early Freudian people, they said, hey, there's something back there from when we were growing up that's haunting us now. Well, the what's back there often is having learned about the nature of what the world is and how to deal with it from people who were less than healthy themselves as well as some specific negative experiences that still scare us or leave various residues. It's not the whole story. It's a piece of it, what's back there. So in good therapy, you do do some looking back to pull out current problematic behaviors from the root. At the same time, good therapy also needs to include a skills piece. So you have the equipment to be a great ballerina in the art of 
having positive connections with people. The, the the way I sort of have thought of that is that therapy is a, is in a, a lived it's in a context. Therapy is a lived experience as well, right? You're, 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 How do you mean by that? In the sense that you're living your life alongside of getting therapy. <laughs> well, hopefully, you're living your life primarily, yeah, yeah, and therapy is alongside of that. Yeah. Unfortunately, in the old psychoanalytic model, there. Someone used to go four or five days a week. I remember a very good friend of mine saying to me, I can't get married. My analyst said, I can't get married till I finish my psychoanalysis. Mm. That was a kind of narcissism on behalf of the therapist who said, hey, I'm what's all important. Yeah. Therapy is all important. Yeah. Forget your life. That You will save that until later. Th- that is sort that of the, I, I, I find that to have been the general posture of psychoanalysis, which is, uh, and, and, and they started translating that out into the world. They started saying, we know how I to didn't. solve. Well, they took over the National Institute of, they founded the National Institute of Mental Health, and they found it as a, th- their grandiose notion was, we, we, only we can solve all the social problems because we have special insight into the human being. Therefore, right. who else but us can solve this? And we're going to do right. it. They were social engineers on a horrific level and were, frankly, narcissistic a- I was just going to say yeah. the same thing. <laughs> oh, my God. They were on to some truth. They were just partial truths. Yeah. They did not have the whole truth. I, I completely agree so with you. So then there began to be wars between those, let's look backwards and pull out the problems by the roots. Th- those folks began warring with the new behavioral therapists and cognitive behavioral therapists until along came CEPI. Do you know CEPI? I don't Society think so. Society for the Exploration of Psychotherapy Integration. Mm. Tell me more. Uh, so my good friend Paul Wachtel was one of the several people who launched this group. They said, hey, there's a lot of truth in the psychoanalytic viewpoint. There's a lot of truth in the behavior therapy viewpoint. In other words, you need skills, what you do matters, how you think about things matters, and past traumas have an impact, past attachments have an impact. The magic word and Mm. began to influence us. So Paul Wattel got therapists from both of the warring camps. There was a divisiveness within the world of psychotherapy, like the divisiveness within America today splitting either or Mm. well that's seldom a good solution to anything either or Mm -hmm. so he started a group met once a year developed for conventions developed a journal and we all still talk with each other in fact my first book was in the spirit of sepi it came out of the very first sepi gathering it's called from conflict to resolution Mm. it's a model of psychological functioning and psychotherapy that applies to individuals, applies also to couples, applies also to families. Does it the apply? The model also guides therapy with all three. Does it apply to a country? And can you give me some sort of large-scale large model what your recommendations would be for us? <laughs> for the country right yeah. now? For healing the yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll give you a quickie version. Yeah. That in order to resolve conflicts, 
people, number one, have to calm down. Mm. Oh, oh, the hatred, the vitriol, the uh, anxiety that preceded this past election makes it impossible for either side to say their concerns in a calm way or to hear. Our ears close as our emotions escalate. Mm. The number one would be for everybody to calm down. Number two, the core skills, two core skills besides staying calm that people need in order to end the divisiveness, the splitting, that are number one, to be able to verbalize in a collaborative way what's going on within you. I would like, my concerns are I, I statements. Therapists talk about I statements. That's a skill because if instead the statements are you did this and you did that and you shouldn't have, those kinds of critical bossing around you statements are so off-putting, they put an immediate end to whatever attempts at dialogue are going on. So the first skill is that ability to look within oneself and say what one feels, I feel, wants, thinks, concerns. That's skill number one, all of this in the atmosphere of calm. Skill number two is a listening skill. In a funny way, relationships are like the game of catch. Did you play catch as a kid? Of course. Yeah, I loved playing catch. Little did I know how much it would influence my thinking as a psychologist. What do you have to be able to do? You need two skills in order to play catch. Throwing and catching. You need to be able to throw the ball in an accurate, not excessively uh, aggressive way. And you need to be able to catch. So the catching between two people or within oneself when you have an issue within yourself, that's the listening part. Mm-hmm. If in our country, both sides in a calm way would say what their concerns are and would listen to the concerns on the other side, we would hum along beautifully. Well, you know, I'm a fan of public rec. You know, I love these pants. Uh, in the day of COVID, I started wearing more sweatpants. And of course, always stuff falling out of my pockets and I couldn't carry my wallet. There was nothing behind and there were no zippers on the pocket. Well, public rec thinks of everything. Not only do they think of how many pockets, what kind of pockets, they make these like slacks, except they feel like sweatpants and they're breathable. They they last, they're durable, they're stretchy and uh, they're comfortable. And uh, I don't know about your wardrobe, but mine has changed during COVID-19. Again, these guys make leisure wear with the waist and inseam sizes that are perfect and just fit just right. My favorite pants are their best-selling all-day, everyday pants. Uh, they're a more stylish alternative. You can just, you don't have to feel guilty if you're wearing these things. You can actually go out and go to work if you have to. They really do look great, but they're so comfortable for lounging at home. Again, they look sharp, though, for other activities. The all-day, everyday pant comes in waist and inseam sizing, as I said, so they fit short, tall, whatever. It's made for the breathable, stretchy, moisture-wicking fabric. You can wear them all day, every day, and they always look like new. They really do always look the same. They come in nine different colors, uh, one for each day of the week, if you wish. I wish I had one for every day of the week because I love these things. You can get your whole wardrobe from Public Rec. They have incredibly comfortable shorts, T-shirts, 
Henleys, polos, hoodies, jackets, even golf gear. And Public Rec rarely discounts, but right now they have an exclusive offer for the listeners of our podcast. Go to Public Rec, P-U-B-L-I-C-R-E-C, Public Rec, R-E-C, dot com slash Drew. Use promo code Dr. Drew, spelled out doctor, D-O-C-T-O-R, Drew, and you'll get 10% off. That is Public Rec, R-E-C, use promo code Dr. Drew, full spell out the word doctor, Dr. Drew, for 10% off. Yep, it's autumn. Things are changing. And with so much changing, it can be difficult to find extra time for you, the time you need to take care of yourself, look your best. With Plexiderm, all you need is 10 minutes, and you can look 10 years younger. Plexiderm, of course, is that clinically studied serum that gives your appearance the right kind of changes. Visibly reduced wrinkles, fine lines, and even under-eye bags in just minutes. Take up to 10 years off your appearance in less than 10 minutes. The results last for hours, so you can take whatever you're doing. You can do it with confidence and look your best the whole time. You can try a six-application trial pack for just $14.95 with free shipping when you visit buyplex.com slash Drew. Again, the spelling is B-U-Y-P-L-X dot com slash Drew or call 800-685-1292 and just say the code Drew. This order comes with free shipping, 30-day money-back guarantee. Make those wrinkles, lines, and under-eye bags disappear with Plexiderm. Visit buyplex.com slash Drew or just call 800-685-1292 and then say code Drew at checkout. Yeah, unfortunately, our listening skills, I've noticed, are woefully inadequate because listening, we can break that down into a lot of different things. Right. So you mentioned one stance that blocks listening when you were talking about the old psychoanalytic school. I'm right. I know what's right for everybody. If I'm right and you're wrong is the basic stance, there's not going to be listening. Mm-hmm. What there's going to be instead is listening with the bad ear. You mm. know about the bad ear? No, tell me. The bad ear listens for what's wrong in what other people say. Mm-hmm. I like you know that. the word that signifies that someone's listening with the bad ear? Tell me. Can I have you guess? It's three so, letters and it begins with B. But? You got it. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> but still. Yeah, yeah but still. <laughs> Right. Yeah, but makes uh, yeah. is a pretend yes that's actually a but. So what does but do? But knocks away whatever came before. Right. Shall I give you an example? Give me one short sentence about anything. Um, I think President Trump should uh, step down. But the election was, from his perspective, unfair and unfinished. What did I do with he should? Right, and th- and that's not ca- ca- and that's not. Let, let's mirror the opposite, which is would have been, huh? I hear what you're saying that you think that he. Have you considered? Would that be a better way to do it? Well, um, one has to be careful of repeated trite phrases. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I would go there. I would start just with the word yes. Yes. Yes, there are many people in the country who feel he should step down. And if he did step down, that probably would have a calming influence. And, and is the opposite of but. Uh-huh. And at the same time, there are 50% of the country that, uh, maybe not all of them, and yet many of them feel unable to accept the results of the election. Mm-hmm. So it may be that a process of validating that it was a basically fair 
election would help everyone to calm down. I love it. And and I think oh. <laughs> I feel much better. And 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 I think didn't I did I hear you actually taking my statement and moving it even forward a little bit as a you way of are yeah. right okay. on track. You are very astute listener. I'm impressed. <laughs> That's good. I never yeah. I never really I I usually start with okay I get that. But I like the idea of taking it and going, yeah, not, not only that, uh, but you're right. So did this you hear be, that? Yeah. yeah, I like that. Yeah. It was a pretend agreement. You uh, weren't really digesting what they said because uh, you didn't pick up any specifics. Uh, it was just a, a trite phrase. And did you notice what word it was followed by? Not only that, but. Yeah, yeah I yeah. like it, but, yeah. which means I'm knocking it off the table. Yeah, yeah. And and you did you use a connecting word there when you transition? Sure what word was that? Well, but signifies subtraction. So and addition. and you got it. Yeah, and yeah. signifies addition. So now we can have a collaborative dialogue where what you think counts and what I think counts. They both stay on the table. Uh, and Gary, you will have heard this from Mr. Corolla many times under the the improvisational direction of yes and. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> so, not only right. that, but she's saying not, not only that, but is no good, but yes. And is where we should keep it. The most powerful so, connector. So yes. And yeah. has a little line after the yes and a little line after the end. Yep. Yes. Fill in the blank and the blank, as you pointed out, needs to be where you pick up on something. They said you, you're listening with your good ear instead of listening for what's wrong with, with the bad ear, hmm. you're listening for what you could agree with. So I listened for, yeah, Trump should step down or at least could step down. And what would be good about that? I'm thinking about uh, that. Uh-huh. Oh, we could move forward. It would be settled. Oh no, wait, step down. Yes. But I'll tell you what I like, especially about that, and, I, and I'm not sure how my skill would be at it, is that I'm always trying to figure out the other points, person's point of view. I really do want to understand their point of view. And by articulating it, moving it forward, you, you, it really clarifies what, what, what the other person Absolutely. is telling you. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, by picking up on whatever detail of it makes sense to you. Yeah. Your, is the equivalent of, I call it digestive listening. It's the equivalent of when you take a spoonful of food, chewing on it. Uh-huh. And, and I, I'm thinking about what you said. I, I'm thinking about the, this entire uh, construct of calm down, verbalized listening, good ear, yes and, as uh, absolute guidelines for Thanksgiving and Christmas for this year <laughs> because yeah. and, no, and then and please and do not sprinkle alcohol over this particular recipe because <laughs> right. it, it will spoil the entire cake. <laughs> so. You know, it's so funny you should say that because I just um a couple of days ago completed an interview with a New York Times writer on what to be aware of this Thanksgiving based on my book, Prescriptions Without Pills, and my earlier books. And that, and <laughs> that. Uh, and this was this was the recipe, I'm guessing. Yes. Fantastic. Uh, let, let me, I want to cycle back to the, the therapeutic process a little bit. And um, we've been talking a little bit about the historical context. And uh, 
You know, it's interesting. I, I used to talk to friends that were trained eh, probably in the 90s and they would say they had to pick a philosophical point of view uh, in their training. Like you had to be Ericksonian or you had to be Jungian or you had to be cog- you know, behaviorist. And right. uh, I'm delighted. That's my- that either or. Yeah, yeah. And, and that there was no reconciliation of all these different ideas. And my son is getting a graduate degree in psychology now and I was thrilled to see them essentially saying – these are all tools. They all have some utility. Let's 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 examine all of them and talk about where they can be deployed and useful. Which was a relief to hear and that. That the organization I mentioned before, CEPI, uh-huh. Paul Wachtel and his friends project that is now an international organization. They get the credit for that movement. It's, it's, I think Paul Wachtel's first book was something like. Uh, psycho psychodynamics and behavior therapy. Mm. He actually dared to put both words in the same title. Right. So I like to think that at some point people will say, well, what about Heitler's model of psychotherapy? Because my model picks up on both the integrative perspective and goes back to the old Harry Stack Sullivan idea that at core – we get upset when we have problems in living. So, so let me. I, that's where I wanted to cycle back to because I have you know been somebody that has treated and I've also been a patient. And for me, I had a disconnect. I, I had an attachment problem. I think is what, how would, I would mostly characterize it. And, and as a result an of attachment problem, just for people listening, an attachment problem means that there was something about what would happen when you'd form a relationship that would make it go sour. Is that a fair definition? I had a mother with a complex uh, emotional landscape, and it made for a somewhat disorganized Uh attachment to her, and that got translated into living with – Mostly, it wasn't so much I got acted out in relationships. It was mostly that I did not have a robust connection to my emotions. And my body. Uh, so well, if you can't hear your emotions, you're in big trouble because your emotions are there to give you messages. Right. To tell right. you where there's something helpful out there, where you need something else, where you're being hurt. So if you can't get those emotions, it's like somebody who doesn't feel physical pain. They yeah. don't know when there's a problem. And, and by the same token, <clears throat> you, you, there was a richness there that was lacking, right? There's, there's, you know, uncomfortable feelings add a real rich dimension to life, uh, and because good ones come with it, of course. But it's not just the good ones; it's the it's the richness of the experience, right. the nourishment, the, experience. the full rainbow. The um, <clears throat> yeah, and and I found designed to be able to experience. And I found. And maybe I'm wrong, but my my sense of my experience in in treatment was that I could not use my intellectual mind, which actually got in the way, uh, to solve any problems. That that the the only way I regained a connection to my emotions was through reworking the attachment to the therapist and having her reflect back. <clears throat> excuse me, reflect back to me feeling states that. Eh, we're not. I was not that connected to, but by having it reflected back by the therapist, somehow wired in that connection to my bodily based emotional experiences, 
very mm-hmm. slowly, <laughs> but it eventually came into came to be. Am so I, there are there, that um, ability to feel what you're feeling is very helpful, mm. and there are. Yes, you're smiling. Oh, I, I listen to careful when you say and, yes? Yes. And, <laughs> yes. and there are many ways of reconnecting with those feelings, many techniques. In the book Prescriptions Without Pills, a number of the techniques involve closing your eyes because when your eyes are closed, instead of picking up data that's outside, you're more attuned to data within you. Mm-hmm. I, 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 she tried lots of stuff on me when I look back at what was going on. I, I was not, you know, I'm, I'm a internist, so I wasn't that tuned into everything back when I started treatment. But I, when I look back on it, I, I see her trying all kinds of things. And finally, we settled into this one thing, which was slow but progressive. Uh, and, and again, there's an interesting piece in this, which is that, I must have played a role in that, right? It's a co-created thing with the therapist. And so sometimes the therapist, and you correct me if I'm wrong on this, has to settle into whatever is good for those two people in that crazy relationship we call therapy. Am am I on to something there? Uh, Yes. The thing that that kind of therapy does is give a way to bring your pattern of functioning into the therapy room. Yes. If you're just talking about what happened out there, the the data is uh, not rich enough. That's why when I do relationship work, I want both parties to be there, the husband and the wife or the girlfriend and boyfriend or boyfriend and boyfriend, whatever it is. They both need to be there. Then the data is happening right in front of you. If the person or people that you are having difficulties with could not, for whatever reason, come into therapy, you the second best is you describe and maybe close your eyes and describe more fully what went on in particular incidents. And the, the therapist gets an idea of what your patterns are from that. A third option is the therapist looks at what's going on between you, the client, and the therapist how you're reacting to them. And that's a similar here and now database. And, and I know, and I go now hearkening back to listening, I'm guessing in, in those moments when you're looking how the patient reacts, you're listening, not just with that good ear, you're listening with your whole body and, and any, any Mm -hmm. sort of internal experience you have is informative. I'm imagining. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that right. that's a piece so people don't for instance, understand. Right now, I, I'm ahead. sorry. I, mean, I, that's a, I think that's something people don't understand, but go ahead, right now. Yeah, so right now, if I tuned into my body, I feel a sense of, a warm sense of pleasure and delight. And so then I'm asking myself, what went on in the attachment between you and me that brought up that warm sense of pleasure and delight? It, and... Shall I tell you? Please do. (laughs) Earlier, just a couple minutes ago, you were beginning to enter a but pattern with me. Oh. I was concerned, and but makes distance because it means you're throwing out what I'm saying and just replacing it with what you're thinking. And then something happened and you let go of it. 
you began then building on what I was saying, listening with a good ear, adding. And I was so delighted, first, because it makes for much more interesting discussion. And second, because I was so impressed that you're such a quick learner. Oh, well, that's very kind. Now, now the delight has been transferred. <laughs> now, it's, now I'm feeling <laughs> the delight. <laughs> exactly. So when we talk about a good attachment, there's lots of these kinds of mutually enhanced good feelings that happen. Do you and and uh, again, some of my butts are just for the sake of conversation. To be to be fair, uh, and do do you have a, a way of thinking about when you do share these internal experiences when with your patient? In other words, I, I find myself because I'm not a therapist. I, I work with a lot of drug addicts, and I and I deal with a, a lot of different kinds of interventions into those. And that's kind of a special case, you know, because. They can't right. do some of this stuff. They just can't do it when they're really in it. But there are times when I'm working closely with them where I become overwhelmed with some emotion or some experience. And and I will usually share that. Uh, and it usually has profound meaning for the patient, but it is a treacherous yeah. move every time. Yes, treacherous because <clears throat> – Treacherous because – I know the patient's going to react. Uh, I, I know it's. I know, I, I know intuitively that it's something. I'm receiving something very intense. Uh, but you, because addicts don't trust and you can't reach them, usually going there gives you a chance to let them feel felt in a way that they have not in a long time. And they may yes. and they may respond with anger and righteous indignation and storm out of the room and all kinds of things. But it 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 always moves things forward. But it is it is fraught with yes. uh, unpleasantness oftentimes. Yes. So I'm wondering. So in a, in a, in a, I like. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I like that you're looking in the best possible light at a technique you've used. Excuse me. That is fraught with some dangers. Yeah. So the purpose, if you look at it in the best possible light, labeling for them what's going on from you is intended to accomplish what. To let them feel felt, to let them understand how close I am to them, that I'm feeling something that they're not – they've never been able to, to verbalize, share, uh, don't imagine other people can experience it. It, it, it. it is a way – in my experience, it's been a way of moving to connection from people who are very, very disconnected. Disconnected with themselves and, and with and, other people. And, and, and interestingly, I would always say to them, connect to me, connect to yourself, connect to me, connect to other, connect to self. Right. And, and and they would get that. And, and, and it's very important that they leave treatment with that kind of experience in their head because they have to transfer that out to their peers and other therapists. And, and uh, if you can't get there – you know, it, it's, so you're giving them what therapists also would call a corrective experience. You're like a good parent who's attuned to what they're feeling. Yes, and it, I also like in your. Oh, go ahead. What we well, it's say. usually it's <laughs> usually a walled off, traumatized piece of themselves, right? A piece that they're not feeling either, but that comes into the room when I when I bring it up. In those cases. <laughs> Often they can't feel it, and you, the therapist, feels it. It comes up within the therapist. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So you're modeling for them being in touch with feelings. You're modeling for them 
being able to feel things, I'm feeling right now. And another thing I love about it is you're not telling them what they feel or should feel or is buried. You never want to go no, there. No, I don't do that. I, I say I'm having an experience. I wonder if this has meaning to you. That's usually how I oh, frame it. Oh, I love it. That yeah. is a, such a beautiful way. Yeah. So you're giving, like I said earlier, you're giving an I message. Mm-hmm. And they can think about he's having that experience. And whatever reaction they're having to that you're having that experience is going to be meaningful and a part of their it, growth. It, exactly. That, that's it. And it usually is it's usually very powerful. I mean, I I, I – Personally, I'm sort of awed and, and privileged. You know, I like I feel like I'm in the room with something important when these things happen. Um, yes, uh, and and it's always worked. It it, it never they never. It, it, there are many other reasons they leave treatment. That's never it. <laughs> so, uh-huh. which so, is far, always, so far, so far, so far. I did for twenty five years. Twenty five years of doing that. You're right, and as yeah. we're always reminded to say, never say always and never. <laughs> but, right. but so far they have hundred percent of the time. As I told my my peers, hundred percent of the time they don't leave. So far, so yeah, it's excellent. And and modeling openness when we share a feeling. That builds closeness. Mm, exactly. I, I have so that you're giving them an opportunity to experience a close and positive and caring and uh, kindly relationship. And, and so, what I was asking is, given now, I do. I have these experiences with this certain population that has certain, you know, stuff. I mean, and most of them, you know, could not. The reason I was thinking about this, I was thinking about my patients coming in the room with a spouse or partner, and having you know you trying to do therapy with them, and they would just lie and bullshit, and you really wouldn't. I don't know how far you'd get with them because that's how they are. Um, but I'm what I was thinking then was although, um, although although please, I'm a big believer of doing um, individual therapy with the partner in the room. Oh, interesting. So I would, I would love to use your same technique. Uh, gee, Peter, as I look at you right now, I'm feeling, even though Patricia is there with Peter. Got it. I focus on Peter, and I would do the same technique. Now, now, friends of mine do something called emotionally focused therapy, and they describe exactly that. Is that, is that what you're doing? I don't go by that yeah. label. Yeah. Uh, I would call it good therapy. Good therapy. Okay, fair yes. enough. Attuned yes. therapy. And part of what makes for good couple therapy and also good therapy for the individual is to be able to combine sometimes focusing on the two people, having them both in the room, and sometimes focusing just on one or just on the other then looking at how what's going on with person A and what's going on with person B hook each other, making what Paul Wachtel calls cyclic psychodynamics. They get in a vicious cycle. The more he does X, the more she does Y, the more, the more, the more. Right. So you can break those patterns by having each partner become more aware of what's going on within them then along with other techniques, help them each find a new set of options for getting what they want to have happen in that moment, happen without the cost of what they've been doing. 
Well, once in a while you come upon a product that changes your life and that's what Theragun is. It literally it's like the Apple iPhone or the advent of the automobile. I mean, things move things forward and Theragun is one of the things. I'm such an enthusiast about this product. Of course, I'm talking about the handheld percussive therapy device. It releases deep muscle tension. It causes accommodation neurologically, and it's quiet. The all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor, so it's quiet. I used to use a similar device, but it made so much noise, my dog would freak out and run out of the room. And this this has adjustable rates. I My wife, who is uh, a massage uh, addict, uh, I got her hooked on this thing now, and uh, she is as convinced as I it. I it changes the way I exercise. It changes how I feel. It changes my joint pain, my soft tissue problems. I it just changes so 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 much in what's going on for me. I am I am so enthusiastic about this product, and you can try it for thirty days. There is no substitute for the Theragun Four Theragun Gen Four with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and of course, quiet and power that you need. You will thank me for this. It's starting at only $199. And they have various devices out there you can look at. They have a handheld. And I've noticed uh, therapists, physical therapists, trainers are all carrying these things around now. Again, starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash Drew. That's Theragun, T-H-E-R-G-U-N, T-H-E-R-A-G-U-N, theragun.com slash D-R-E-W right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That is theragun.com slash Drew. One more time, you will thank me for this. theragun.com slash Drew. Summer's behind us. Time to get back into that autumn groove. Kids hopefully are back to school. I don't know where you're living, but uh, some places they're getting back to school. A lot of change. Uh, Extra time you need to take care of yourself and look your best can be difficult. With Plexiderm, all you need is 10 minutes, and you can look 10 years younger. Plexiderm is a clinically studied serum that gives you appearance the right kind of changes visibly reduce wrinkles fine lines and under eye bags in just minutes take up to 10 years off your appearance in less than 10 minutes the result will last for hours you can take the family out and the whole time looking your best you can try a six application trial pack for just 14.95 with free shipping when you visit buyplex.com that's b-u-i-p-l-x pay attention b-u-i-p-l-x.com slash drew or call 800-685-1292 and just say the code drew this order comes with free shipping and a 30-day money-back guarantee. Make the wrinkles, lines, and under-eye bags disappear with Plexiderm. Visit Biplex.com slash Drew or call 800-685-1292 and just say Drew at checkout. And, and again, to cycle back to this little thing I was talking about that I experienced with the drug addicts, um, how do you decide in a not-so-sick person – you know, and I, I'm considering most of my patients very, very sick. Uh, and I, I'm and sorry. What was that? How do I decide in in a person who's maybe not so ill with psychiatric psychopathology? And again, words like sick and ill, we can you know. I don't, I don't oh, know those okay. Are, but 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 if it's a it's a person who's you know relatively high functioning and having some mild symptoms. And they're not psychotic. They're, they're not psychotic, and they're, and they're just they they just want to have. A, they just are a little depressed or anxious or something. Right, they're having problems in living. They have problems in living, but but my my the quote I was interested in this is just a personal question is if you had some sort of experience like I have sometimes with these with the addicts I work with, how yes. would you decide whether to share that with the patient or not? How do, how do you? What's the sort of is there is it? Do you have to be in the particular situation? Is it instinct? Is are there techniques for when you share those experiences and when you don't? All of the above. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
It's kind of what I figured you'd say. <laughs> yeah, we, because you just described uh, my my tendency is to ask a lot of questions. That's my basic go to. The the two words that are the most powerful tools, you know, uh, for a therapist, just like a carpenter needs a hammer and a screwdriver at least. So a therapist needs two key words: how and what. Hmm. What were you feeling just then? Uh, how are you feeling right now? What just happened now? Mm. What, what, if you look at what you just did in the best possible light, what were you trying to accomplish? How might be an alternative way to handle that that would be less costly and get you even more of what you want? Love it. Is I'm just thinking about sometimes people get a little defensive with how and what. Is there is there a way to soften them if you have somebody who's sort of uh, oh what was your I would ask more questions yeah I'm interested in your reaction okay I'm I'm interested yeah that's what that's what I that's the words I thought I thought I'm wondering I'm wondering you know I'm I'm interested in yeah that that's and that's the intro to what you were feeling just then or what thought came up just now this is all then, great stuff and it, my it, most common phrase is close your eyes because again as i said earlier in our session today when people close their eyes it facilitates being able to hear themselves and feel their feelings hear their thoughts and feel their feelings more effectively mm more easily, more deeply. I'm wondering if uh, everything we've been <laughs> discussing is in the book, in the Prescriptions Without Pills. Uh, between that book and the book, the Prescriptions Without Pills is mainly for the general public and at the same time is information that very few therapists understand or are aware of. So it has techniques like what we've been describing now that are greatly beneficial. So I get a lot of very good feedback from therapists. It is meant, though, to be for the general public so that they can help themselves in difficult situations. The book that I wrote for therapists, my first main book, From Conflict to Resolution, Hmm. now I've forgotten what the question was you asked me, Uh, was, Oh, is this information yeah. in the book? Yeah. That uh, lays it out more specifically for therapists. Oh, I can't wait to read these. This is so. This has been such a pleasure and so much fun. And uh, I, not only have you enhanced my thinking about uh, how I approach patients, I I feel warm and delight too, the way you did. So something oh happened, but something happened between us that uh, uh-huh. I, I started out a little constricted and beaked up on coffee, and now I'm feeling more warm and delight. <laughs> I'm delighted, <laughs> so. and I um, started out uh, being a little sleepy <laughs> evening where I am. Yeah, where are so, you? Where are you? I'm in Israel. My, what are you doing? Living here. Oh, that's where you live now. It's, it said you were a Denver-based psychologist. What? Exp- I, I was a Denver-based psychologist until we came the beginning of last March to visit one of our daughters who lives here. 
the same time I came, COVID came. Oh. So within a week of my being here, I realized, oh, my goodness, my husband and I are never going to be able to go back until this COVID thing is done because mm -hmm. who wants to go on an airplane where you're going to catch COVID? Yeah. Inter long international flights, not good. My goodness. So we decided, well, it's actually quite lovely here. I think we'll just stay. Do you, do you work from there too? I haven't. For instance, I gave a workshop just last night on techniques for, th for English-speaking therapists here, on techniques for doing therapists with your client's eyes closed. Fantastic. So I do mostly training. I'm seeing a few clients. Do you see them via Zoom or... or, or? I decided Zoom does not work for me. So yeah. when I first came here, I tried to keep going with my clients from back home. Mm. I didn't intend to retire and go, boom, that's it for my clinical practice in Denver. Yeah. Uh, number one, it's evening here when it's morning there. It was uh, too confusing. Uh. By evening, I'm getting older. I, 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 I mostly don't want to work. I understand. And, and there so is something about bodies in space. There's something about... Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So here, when I see clients, I see them in our backyard. We sit at a distance. We both have masks. And it's beautiful. And so that works much better. Well, it was a privilege to speak to you, Dr. Susan Heitler. The book is Prescriptions Without Pills for Relief from Depression, Anger, Anxiety, and More. And uh, have I, I look forward to you being stateside again, and I hope I talk to you again. Absolutely my pleasure. This has been a particularly fun and thought-provoking interview for me. So thank you so much, Dr. Drew. Thank you so much. And we'll see you all next time. For calling times and topics, follow the show on Twitter at Dr. Drew Podcast. That's D-R-D-R-E-W Podcast. The music from today's episode can be found on the swinging sounds of the Dr. Drew Podcast, now available on iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to rate the show. The Dr. Drew Podcast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana and Gary Smith. For more information, go to drdrew.com. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew Podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes. Only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com. Support for this podcast comes from Pluto TV. Ready to get away from it all? Free yourself with Pluto TV. Stream hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and shows all for free. Yeah, free. No contracts, no subscriptions, no fees. Imagine 24-7 channels of Narcos, CSI, Star Trek, Survivor, and everything else from hit movies to binge-worthy TV shows, the latest news, live sports, comedy, and more. What are you waiting for? Download the free Pluto TV app for Android or iPhone and start watching now. Pluto TV. Drop in. Watch free. After the holidays, a little cash goes a long way. The Chime checking account has tons of benefits to help, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and thousands of fee-free ATMs. You can even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. Sign up for Chime today at chime.com slash goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA members of FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from Bayer.